0: News of mega-mergers involving the likes of Pfizer and Wyeth or Merck and Sharing Plow have turned the pharmaceutical industry on its ear. But what does this mean for doctors and their patients? Welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is John Krieger. He's the principal with the Healthcare Investment Bank of William Blair & Company, Mr. Krieger joined William Blair in 1999 as a healthcare services analyst. He provides coverage of pharmaceutical outsourcing and healthcare distribution. Previously, he worked as a healthcare services analyst at Vector Securities International for five years. Mr. Krieger received a bachelor's in business administration from the University of Michigan and an MBA from the University of Chicago. He joins us today from his offices in Chicago's Loop. John Krieger, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals.
1: Hi, Bruce. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Could you tell us about why these mega mergers are happening
1: now? It's very interesting to see a second wave of mergers. We we saw a similar pattern back in 1999 and 2000, but then we had a, a quiet period, and, and now we've got uh, six major companies all coming together. I think why it's happening, there is a common thread, and that is almost a level of desperation on the part of these companies to drive more novel products onto the market faster and more efficiently than grappling with this issue for some time. And what we're now seeing is another attempt to accomplish this through these so-called mega mergers.
0: Is this sort of a harbinger of anything, particularly for physicians that they need to worry about? I mean, quite frankly, it's a lot of this is, comes on because Pfizer, for example, is losing a patent protection on Lipitor. And so you're going to see more generics on the market. But does this have a, a meaning for physicians in their practices, per se?
1: I don't think so. I think what you'll probably see is a short-term and a long-term effect. What we know from the past has been that these mergers will lead to a round of cost cutting. And in perhaps a period of introspection where the companies get a bit distracted and start focusing on integration, what that might mean for physicians is fewer sales reps coming into their office. They might see less in the way of sales and marketing and promotion activities because these companies will unquestionably try to save some money and improve their earnings by cutting sales and marketing costs as well as costs throughout the system. But that's sort of the short-term factor. I think the real long-term hope of these deals will be more novel products coming through to the market, which would be great news for both physicians and patients. Whether or not it will actually play out that way, however, it's way too soon to know.
0: Now, in your work, are you necessarily a fan of these mergers? I mean, are these mergers have they ever really come to fruition as far as what their intentions have been? Because it seems like some companies seem to do this every year or so, and perhaps it's because they didn't develop a novel product.
1: We're not big fans of these combinations. In fact, we we recently went back and, and looked at some of the major transactions that we've seen over the last 10 years. And interestingly enough, very few of them have turned out to be successful, at least if you measure it by the performance of the combined companies compared to their peers, most of them have actually done worse, and only only one or two have done even slightly better. So the ultimate goal here of better performance and better product flow really hasn't happened. If we were doing this call three months or six months ago... I would have told you I would have expected rather than these big mega mergers, I would have expected large drug companies like Pfizer and Merck to instead be targeting smaller biotech companies, which is generally where the innovative products have been coming over the last 10 or 20 years.
0: And that's something interesting that a lot of physicians might be seeing is that the drugs of the future would seem to be more complex and they might not necessarily be something that they're even going to see samples for in their office in terms of a pill or a capsule.
1: No question. These are the so-called large molecules that have been coming out of the biotech industry since that industry really came of age in the 90s if you look at any measure of the overall industry's growth, it's being dominated by these large molecules. And as you said, in many cases, these are not pills or capsules that we would get at uh, our local pharmacy. In many cases, these are larger, more complex, and oftentimes administered by physicians or by hospitals or clinics.
0: And so if these drugs don't come to fruition, some of these biotech drugs, I think physicians and, and of course, their patients who may be listening, they're going to probably see a plethora of generics coming on the market, you know, given that a lot of companies, um, whether they be Pfizer or Merck, when they buy some of these larger companies, they're looking to the more biotech and high-tech drugs.
1: I agree. You asked me initially, what was the catalyst for some, this latest round of mergers? And I neglected to mention that. I think in every case, generally speaking, it's one of the major products that, of these companies coming up for uh, patent expiration over the next few years. That generally represents a major financial risk for these companies. And that's driving them to seek a merger partner to hopefully ease that patent cliff, so to speak.
0: And do you see in any certain treatment areas? I know you follow the outsourcing and healthcare distribution, if you will, certain areas where physicians will see drug companies in their pitches as far as different therapeutic areas perhaps that, that might be on the horizon because of these deals?
1: That's a great question. I don't think these deals per se will necessarily change the marketing pitch, but I do believe that if you kind of step back and say where are some of the most interesting innovations occurring, it seems like oncology is one of the first categories that that everyone's mentioning. So I think if we if we look out over the next five or 10 years, we would expect the cancer drugs of tomorrow to really dominate the new product flow and therefore the, the sales and marketing flow of these companies.
0: Well, if you're just joining us or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to Reach MD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I'm your host. And joining me today is John Krieger. He's a principal with the healthcare investment bank, William Blair and Company, which has been very active in the healthcare sector with pharmaceutical companies, device makers, and the like for for decades now. And we were just talking with him about these mega mergers that a lot of physicians and patients are hearing about, Pfizer and Wyeth, uh, Merck and Sharing Plow. I mean, these are sort of name brands in the healthcare industry and we're talking about innovation. And one of the things I've noticed with these mergers is they talk about massive layoffs of people, but also research and development. Some drug makers are cutting back on certain areas of research. And I wanted to ask you in your familiarity with this, is is this a problematic thing? I mean will physicians perhaps if they're in research, would they see some of these things disappear, some projects?
1: Uh, Another good question. It's interesting. If we look at past mergers and past cost-cutting efforts on the part of the large drug companies, R&D has generally been the sacred cow. It hasn't been touched. And even as companies have gone through patent expirations and slowdowns in earnings, they've generally been pretty disciplined about continuing to spend on R&D. With the all of the economic turmoil that we've seen over the last 6 to 12 months however that seems to be changing we are seeing cutbacks in r&d spending across the industry and we've even seen some evidence that companies like Pfizer are actually trimming their pipelines and really refocusing their efforts on the the highest priority products so that's a little troubling again we've always felt like the real key long term path to uh, success in healthcare as part of the kind of William Blair philosophy, is innovation, especially in healthcare where the the dollars are scarce. So we'd like to see companies focusing a lot of their efforts on R&D, and it will be interesting to see if they kind of get back to their knitting and we see R&D starting to grow again as the economy recovers.
0: Do you see the innovation being more focused on the high-tech areas like biotech drugs with cancer or you know vaccines for aids or alzheimer's research rather than coming up with a new cholesterol pill?
1: Yes, you are seeing a shift from the blockbuster products of the 90s that were generally targeted to the primary care markets as you mentioned the the, the cholesterol drugs or the hypertension drugs for example what we're now seeing is a shift in, in R&D efforts towards the more specialty areas. And again, these are areas that are probably going to be dominated by the smaller, more innovative companies, the so-called biotech companies. These are areas like oncology, as I mentioned, perhaps central nervous system disorders being another key area. So those are really the areas that we think will dominate. And as a result, the TV ads for the big primary care markets, the thousands of sales reps calling on general practitioners, we think that will probably give way to a much more targeted effort to reach out to the specialists that are most active in these newer areas that just don't really have good effective therapies at this point. The other trend to think about that overlays this is personalized medicine. We as a firm are very excited about this concept that we can proactively identify which of us as patients might benefit from some of these new but very expensive therapies. And that the thought here will be that that will probably lead to smaller and more targeted, but hopefully more effective drugs with fewer side effects.
0: And so I suppose there could be some good news if physicians uh, find themselves annoyed by getting bombarded with armies of primary care sales reps selling perhaps similar drugs, cholesterol treatments or whatever, and we should see more marketing in the areas of, of specialized drugs. Uh, will this perhaps one day reach the primary care market?
1: Yes. So f- to your first point, Bruce, I, I think you will likely see uh, perhaps a bit of disarmament with some of these large primary care sales forces being unwound. I think that's a probably a likely result of some of these combinations. Will these specialty treatments ultimately reach the primary care physicians? I think there's no doubt that they will always be the the gatekeeper of care for for people. What we don't know is will these therapies actually be administered in in the primary care offices or more likely in more specialty settings and acute care hospital settings. That's going to be case by case. My sense is it'll probably be more the latter.
0: And I was just looking at my notes here in the Pfizer situation, they've actually paired their drug pipeline to 100 compounds from about 114 in in September, and while that is still quite a few compounds, that certainly is something that we have not seen in the past, is it?
1: You're right. Uh, again, it's a it's a sign that even the biggest drug companies in the world, like Pfizer, are saying they need to change their model. They need to find a way that's more efficient and more targeted towards key areas. It's a really interesting example because if you if you look at Pfizer, its biggest drug, in fact, the biggest selling drug in the world is Lipitor, which is a cholesterol-lowering agent. One of the areas that that company has said they are no longer going to emphasize as part of their drug development area is cardiovascular. So fascinating that even though the, the largest selling drug in their portfolio and the entire industry is coming from cardiovascular, they're really going to change directions and, and focus on other areas.
0: If I could ask, given the market as a whole, when things are down, we've had biotech companies you know, scaling back and you know, we're talking about the big pharma scaling back in the areas of research and development. How do you see this all playing out for both large and small pharmaceutical companies given the, the shape of the economy on the market?
1: Sure. Our hunch is that going forward over the next 6 to 12 months, rather than seeing more of these mega mergers, our sense is what you'll start to see emerge is a more aggressive either collaboration or maybe outright purchases between the large drug companies and the smaller biotech companies for two real reasons. We've seen increasing evidence that the the most productive R&D models are in these smaller companies where you've got relatively small numbers of scientists really working together and collaborating together however because of the bad economy and the declining stock market that we've seen in the last year those smaller companies are running out of money they don't have enough capital to continue to operate and continue to fund their own research so they've got the innovation they've got the great ideas but they do not have the cash pharma of course has the cash but they don't have the drugs, they don't have the innovation. So our sense is the next round of consolidation in this industry are not going to be the likes of Pfizer and Wyeth coming together, but will probably be pharma reaching out to these small biotech companies that in many cases we've never even heard of, but really we'll see collaborations and outright deals between those very large companies and very small companies.
0: Well, with that, I'd like to thank John Krieger, who's been our guest. He's a principal and a healthcare services analyst for William Blair Company, which has been in the investment banking business for decades. And we've been talking about mega mergers among the pharmaceutical industry and potential impact to physicians and their patients. And I'd like to thank him for joining us today. My name is Bruce Japson. I'm the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune. And you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on the air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.